This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Today's episode, I'm joined by my coworker, Sam, and we are talking sci-fi. We got some good science fiction novels and book recommendations for y'all. Um, There's a little bit of everything. I gotta say, this is a good list. And obviously, I picked half of the books on the list, but almost all of the books that Sam recommended, I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to have to put that on my TBR. Like, this was definitely one of those episodes where my poor TBR, it just keeps growing and growing. <laughs> um, so, good stuff, good stuff. If you are into science fiction, we got a whole lot of books for you. And all the titles are in the show notes, you know. So, if you're listening, you're like, that sounds really good. And, um you know, you could just, you can just go find it there. Um, I think that's all. I think that's it. So go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com to learn more. Um, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Only got a few weeks left to get your 2021 reading challenges in. So Send those in if you haven't sent them in yet. Email them. Send them on a social, DM, whatever. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all I got for you. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hey, Sam. Hello, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking some sci-fi today. Always a fun topic. For our listeners, all the titles that Sam and I are going to be talking about are in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about trying to write them down if there's one that sounds particularly good, which I think there will be. There's some really good ones on our list we have here. And um yeah, so I'm going to start us off by talking about Book Recursion by Blake Crouch. I love Blake Crouch. His book, Dark Matter, was amazing. And um, Recursion is his more recent one. It came out a couple of years ago. It's kind of a puzzle box, which I, I'm a fan of puzzle boxes. So Recursion deals with memory. And in the book, there is a devastating disease that the media has started to call false memory syndrome. And people start to get these like memories of lives they've never lived. And it starts to kind of drive them a little mad because they're like remembering families that they don't actually have or, you know, situations that they've never actually lived, but it feels like they have. And it is, um, driving people to die by suicide. And so Barry is a detective who has started to investigate these deaths and 
find out more about false memory syndrome. And then we have Helena, who is a neuroscientist. She's studying memory and she's trying to create a technology to really try and help us capture memory and what that means, because I'm sure as we all have experienced memory is somewhat fluid a little bit. You think you understand something or you remember something some way and somebody who was in that same exact, you know, situation with you remembers it differently. So Helene is trying to find a way to preserve memory. And at the start of the book, um, Barry and Helena are operating in two timelines and finally, you know, converge, but Blake Crouch has this great way of playing with time and um, the way they go back and forth until they finally converge. And it's just, it is a, a wild ride and I loved every minute of it. So that is Recursion by Blake Crouch. That sounds really fun. A little creepy. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one, it kind of reminded me, one of the books on my list was is um, Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. And it doesn't deal directly with memory like that, but it does have aspects of memory and creating memory, I guess. So the premise of it really is their cloning, right? That's the, that's the, the sci-fi tag, I guess, for it. And so the main character, Evelyn, is this brilliant scientist who has figured out how to clone individuals at the age that they are. So you can take a 25-year-old clonum, get a 25-year-old exact copy. And she's also figured out how to program them. Part of the process in making these clones is conditioning them, which is a euphemism for giving them the broken bones and scars and things that the individual has that you're cloning. Um, and I guess the idea is that all of these things, along with how you tweak their brain, will add up to the personality that you're trying to recreate. And so that's pretty cool, right? That's that's fun. Yeah. Um, but then it gets weird. So, <laughs> so she sure. is, it, it's, I would put it in the domestic thriller sort of category for sci-fi. Mm -hmm. So she has this uh, past really toxic relationship. She was married to this guy, Nathan, who's a scientist. Um, they split up and she gets a call early on from his new girlfriend, Martine, and Martine wants to meet up to talk nice and awkward, right? Who doesn't want to mm -hmm. be in that situation. She shows up and it's her. So wow. Nathan made a clone of her and is going to marry her. Hey, Weird, right? That, yeah. <laughs> That's awkward. It is. It gets worse. It gets so <laughs> then Martine is pregnant. And then Martine calls her later that night in a panic. Um, Evelyn goes over to their house and Martin has been killed. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So and that's that's all happens pretty early on in the book. So it just gets, you know, weirder and sort of spins out of control from there. <laughs> um, and part of it, though, is when these clones get created, they don't have any memories. So they have to create these memories for them. And they get these fake lives and these fake memories. And you get some aspects of seeing what it's the interiority, I guess, of, of these clones and what it's like uh, to be someone without those memories. And yeah, it, it's a weird, bizarre book morally ambiguous and 
yeah, it doesn't make you excited. It doesn't make me excited for the possibility of clones, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, those clones, who knows what could possibly happen? Um, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Um, so in a similar vein, I have um, Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Oh, excellent. So this was her debut, which is kind of bananas because it ended up winning the Hugo, the Nebula, and the Arthur C. Clarke Award. It is the only book to have won all three. Again, it was her debut. So let's just let that set in for a minute. So <laughs> Good luck following that up, right? Right? But she does. I know. <laughs> yeah. She does. She does. Indeed. Yeah, it's a series. So she ends up following it up. Um, and I think the other one's also won book awards. So good job, Anne. This is set thousands of years in the future. It's a space opera um, where the, uh, I think it's, I, I think it's Rocked Empire, Radk. I've never oh, actually read it. That actually, so that's I what they say it in the audio book, at least. There you go. See, that's what happens when you like read things and don't listen. So, Wretched Empire um, is the point of power for humans in this world. They create, um, they control AIs to control human bodies and are known as ancillaries. And they are used as soldiers. So, great. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> And um, so the starship uh, Justice of Torin has disappeared and the sole surviving ancillary Breck meets an officer who had been on the Justice a thousand years before. And so the story kind of flashes back and forth between kind of the present day of um, Breck trying to figure out what happened and then the, a previous time in the ship's history. And AIs, yeah, yeah, so... Again, it's that like the future is great and science is great, but things could go wrong, especially when you start creating soldiers. <laughs> Just yeah, <laughs> um, that yeah. never ends terribly. <laughs> One of the weird things about the AI in this too is the multiple perspectives mm-hmm. that they have. Right, so the, like the AI can be a hundred soldiers and a ship at the same time, and. Yeah. Yeah. doing it all yeah. yes yeah because i think breck's like like surviving but in the sense that she was sort of like part of the ship kind of and yeah it's a whole it's a whole thing so and, uh, <laughs> yeah so there's i'm so glad that you brought that one up there's a, a book in the wayfair wayfarers series by becky chambers it's one of my favorite series of all time um and but I call it a series, but it's sort of like four books in the same universe. You can read any of them in any order, really. And you'll see characters show up in different books. But none of the events that happen have a massive effect on other books where you need to know what happened. So the second book in that series, um, which is A Closed and Common Orbit, has two main characters, Pepper and Lovelace. And well, I guess we should take a step back. So in this world, in this universe, there are AIs fully conscious. They are just like you and me, you know, when it comes to what they, how they think and how they interact. Um, and, but there are rules saying they can only occupy ships and things. They can't have bodies. That's a hard law. No mm-hmm. bodies. Okay. Which, of course, when a rule like that gets set up in a book, you know it's going to be broken, right? Naturally, naturally. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, 
this Lovelace is an AI who has a body and it's interesting, you know, how they create the body and her lived in experience for it, how the engineer who made it devised some imitation for sensation for your perceptions and things uh, taste for instance stuff like that it's just really fun and kind of brilliant and the universe as a whole is one that feels to me optimistic and hopeful the way that people interact with each other pepper is uh the other main character she is this brilliant engineer who has a horrible terrible dark childhood uh She's a genetically engineered clone. Mm-hmm. Clones are everywhere, I guess, in the Apparently, future. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> but she takes Lovelace in and she's sort of like her guardian and helps take care of her. There's tension and all of that. But the um, Becky Chambers, her vision of AI in this world, it's really interesting and humanizing. Um, there's no, I don't know, dark edge to it anywhere although people sort of out there think there is yeah it's it's interesting it's yeah kind of a counterpoint to some other ai uh things out there that i've read so yeah i feel like sci-fi in general when it comes to ai often treats it as something to be wary of like that's a lot like a lot of the stories not all of them, but a lot are just sort of like AI is a cautionary tale. And so um, I haven't read this series, but I, other people have mentioned on the podcast and I keep meaning to pick it up. Um, so I like knowing that it takes a somewhat different point of view to, to clones and AI and all that stuff. Yeah. So um, my next one is I just started reading it. So I'm not super far into it, but it's IQ 84 by Haruki Muraki, uh-huh. Murakami. Haruki Murakami. And um, so far, I'm really enjoying it, but I'm, again, not very far. So it's set in Tokyo in 1984. And we have two characters. Um, it, the first one is, I'm actually not sure how you pronounce her name. I think it's Amami. Is that, I think that's right. Who at the start of the novel is, she's in a taxi, she's headed to a business meeting, um, but there's traffic. And she's running super late. And so the taxi driver suggests she get out of the car in the middle of traffic. And he points her in the direction of a tunnel that will provide her access to the like subway system, um, which will get her to where she needs to go. But when she gets down there, it actually opens up to a parallel universe unexpectedly. So then we have Tengo, who is a writer who has become working on a writing project. And the further he gets into it, um his life kind of starts to unravel and things get a little weird and so that's as far as I am like we just sort of like been introduced to these two characters um but I'm excited to see where things go I love that the title is a play on 1984 of course the you know George Orwell dystopian classic um and I know Haruki Murakami is well known in in this genre and the books that he writes. So this is my first one of his, and I'm, oh, I'm pumped. It's, it's good so far. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, it gets weird. <laughs> I'm all for no, no. I'm all for books getting weird. Like I'm all about books getting weird. So that is not a problem. Good. At all. 
Yeah, that's a fun one, one. My one recommendation, it's been a long time since I've read that, is check out the music that he references when okay. he references it. Yeah, it's sort of, do it doesn't like give anything, oh. but it's sort of, it's fun to, it sort of sets the mood and stuff. It's. Yes. Because um, I think like the very first line of the book mentions the classical music piece that I meant to look up when I was reading and never got around to it. So I will definitely do that for sure. Um, look up some of the music that that's a good, that's a good tip. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Um, yeah. There's, I've got another one. This is one that I am also currently reading. It's uh, rabbits and the author of it is Terry miles. Um, it sort of reminds me of IQ eight, four. And the reason is that I don't know, the world isn't what it seems. And, you know, you can't take appearances at face value. So the, this, this book revolves around this kind of game that nobody talks about that isn't a real game called rabbits. It's like, you don't get no, you don't get to play unless you know about it and you can't know about it unless you get to play it sort of. And there aren't really rules. It's not clear how it works. It's sort of like, uh, it's kind of like, what if conspiracy theorists were all right? Um, you know, that what's the one saying about how uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't out to get you or something right, like right. just because you're seeing all these patterns everywhere doesn't mean that they are fake or they don't mean yeah. something crazy. Um, so there's this game rabbits. The main character K is this brilliant person. She's got this uh, crazy mind. I actually don't know if it's she or he, it's a first person. And I'm listening to the audiobook. The narrator is a uh, female. So that's okay. where I'm getting that from. Um, and so K sees patterns and everything everywhere. The kind of thing that would make you seem like a crazy person, except in this world of rabbits, that's this amazing trait to have. And it lets you pick up on what's happening. One of the things is that reality starts to get weird in this game too. You'll have a video of something that is impossible. You'll see something that shouldn't be there. You'll go, you'll go to a floor on a building that doesn't exist. And so reality starts to break in these little ways. The number 23 starts showing up everywhere when you start looking for it. And things start to get dangerous. She meets this billionaire who supposedly played it at one point and won the game. Nobody really knows what happens. Maybe you get rich, maybe you get recruited by the government, who knows what happens when you end. And he tells her, do not let the next iteration of the game start. That doesn't work out. The game starts. <laughs> People, it never does. <laughs> it never does, right? You're like, okay, great. I, I know exactly what's going to happen now. The game will start and <laughs> things will go poorly, which it, which they do. People start you know, dying and, and weird things start happening. Um, and it's, I guess really what's fun about it is it takes all of these different conspiracy theory things and says, what if, what if they were all right? What if this was all real? And there really was some dark strange thing going on in the background pulling the strings for all of this and so you go down these different rabbit holes um, and yeah it's weird it's weird you, you really sort of have to suspend your disbelief kind of sometimes and go with it but when you do it, it's pretty fun well I just put it on hold so oh nice <laughs> <laughs>
that's what I was doing. I was like, I'm going to put this on hold right now because okay. that sounds wonderful. It is. Um, it's fun. It'll have you looking, you know, doing all the crazy, it, keeping track of stuff and putting things on your wall. Like you're making your, what they call a serial killer wall in the oh, book. Yeah. And, yeah. Quite familiar with those. Um, <laughs> so that's actually good. So my next one is um, Battle Royale by uh, Koshu Takami. So, of course, before the Hunger Games, there was Battle Royale, and um, it is sort of that kind of dystopian sci-fi, which is a class of junior high school students, are taken to a deserted island. They are armed, and the authoritarian program is like, you have to kill each other until somebody has survived. Like, only one person is left. And um, so if you, like me, binge squid game and totally. are now in need of something to read check out battle royale <laughs> um and yeah because you know everyone talks about like hunger games as like the whole like kids put in a situation where they have to kill each other but um battle royale it's japanese um it came out uh before hunger games and it is also that sort of like game situation of this is kind of what you kind of have to do you gotta you gotta kill people just kill or be killed killed or be killed and um you know um there's a a former player of the battle who comes back and is in it so there's sort of like that's like someone who's already experienced it and is is part of it and yeah kill or be killed but yeah (laughs) there's a movie adaptation of that i believe that is yeah crazy gory and it, it's not hunger it's it's not pg-13 it is not pg-13 i sh- yes i should say that i i think it was um from what i have read i think somewhere that it was nominated for like various like a book award or something in japan like we can't give it to it because it's because of just like the topic and how like kids <laughs> killing kids. they're like yeah we're not going to give this book any awards <laughs> in japan it doesn't hold back <laughs> Yes, it does not. It does not hold back, right? I say it's like like Hunger Games, but it's, it's maybe not for n- traditional Hunger Games readers if they're younger. Yeah, that kind of thing. Be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's see. I wonder if any of the ones I have play in to that. There is one. Um, Eighty-eight names by Matt Ruff. Uh, is game based it's kind of like a ready player one alike so main character john chu uh, is this big time video game nerd and in this world there's this super sweet vr video game stuff where you can really just kind of live your life in vr and a lot of people do that's sort of their main identity is their online identity Um, and so john runs a sherpa business, which is a company that rich people essentially can hire to go into a video game world and have a lot of the grind work already done for them. It's sort of like a a, tour agency, I guess, in a video game world. Um, And John has this ex, Darla, who keeps coming up. He keeps sort of telling 
us, the reader, about how crazy this Darla is, blah, 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 Darla, Darla, Darla. She's evil. When's she going to do something terrible to me? It's coming. I don't know. You know, all of that. And then he randomly gets this anonymous, very rich person pops into his world and says, hey, I'm going to pay you a ton of money for you to show me everything you know about MMORPGs, massive multiplayer online role-playing games, because I want to learn it for my super secret business reasons. And that's suspect. Sure. More stuff comes in. There's, you know, counter spies, other spies, things start to unravel, things get weird. Uh, John calls his mom and he's a 21 year old, but his mom works for some cyber security agency for the u.s government um and yeah it gets strange that it has a really nice narrative structure to it where a lot of the things that you know happen to the characters kind of play out on this larger scale for how the book unfolds in an interesting way and there are some nice i think sort of thematic points that are made about identity and it plays to some of the tensions between your digital persona and your real life person and identities there. So the 88 names that title refers to like these 88 different avatars that John has. So, you know, you can be all these different people online, uh, but who are you really? And so it explores some cool ideas like that. And it's also, it just has this sort of like mystery, um, plot i guess driving everything along um and yeah it has it has a pretty exciting explosive ending too nice nice that sounds good too yeah i love um i like books that play with video games as a as a and especially being like i like the idea because grinding is sometimes the worst in the video game so yeah i would actually i would totally pay people (laughs) right i know (laughs) Like, I will pay you. You can go do that for me. And then I can reap all the rewards of you having gotten all the wood that I need for my thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so this is a little bit different, um, but my next one is Finna by Nino Cipri. This is a, it's a novella. So if you're looking for a shorter piece, um, it's queer, it's anti-capitalist sci-fi, and it takes place in a, um, in a, a store kind of like Ikea. And I'm always about any sort of book that features oh, a, a key knockoff. And it's about um, two minimum wage employees who um, they work at this store and I like kind of wormhole portal into a parallel universe opens up in the middle of the store and this elderly customer um, wanders into it and their bosses are like, you have to go find her. <laughs> and also... That sounds, I mean, that's um, weird on its own, but also this particular two employees just went through a breakup. Um, and so that adds like whole other layer to trying to like go on this quest to and they work together. Yes, they work together, they've gone through a breakup, they have to go on this quest to find this elderly woman who wandered down a portal into a parallel universe that opened up in the middle of their big IKEA store. And I love everything about it like those words just everything (laughs) i do love books that are set in in like play with like big ikea store ideas and there are several of them which is kind of weird there's just something about ikea stores and where the idea and concept of ikea stores that 
writers are like, I'm going to set books in these. So there it you is go. like a parallel universe, though, when you go into an Ikea and there's I think, disorienting I mean, and you get lost. Yes, and... You do. It is. I totally get it. I just I, I totally get it. It's just amusing to me that there are multiple books that sort of take that concept and are like, you know what? Yeah, let's just go ahead and do this. We're just going to that's going to be our setting. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's like its own little sub genre within. It is. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. Um, I've got next on my list. Binti. That's an old book. I think it's from like 2016 or something. It's a novella as well. And uh, the main character, Binti, is an earth earthling it feels weird to call someone an earthling but I guess you know she lives on earth her people live on earth and that matters because not everybody lives on earth and just stays on earth in this universe where there are humans and all these aliens and there is this super fancy university kind of I guess like the you know Harvard or Cambridge of the universe and Binti scores really well on this test and she gets invited she would be the first person of her people to go. They don't want her to. She goes anyway. Um, and so she's sort of on her own, but she is really smart. She sticks up for herself and she's compassionate. And that really works to her advantage. She, it's such a short you know, book, I don't really want to like get into any of the things yeah. that happen, but yeah, things, things get pretty intense pretty quickly. And the resolution isn't necessarily one that I saw coming. It, yeah, it, it it's quite good. It's quite weird. It, it's bloody. I'll say that it gets bloody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've not read it, um, but I, I know it, it's gotten really good reviews and and people really really like it um it's super i forgot to say nettie akorafor is the author and she's fantastic she's one of my favorite uh well she has a new one coming out next month which i only know about because i mentioned it in our november preview episode (laughs) so (laughs) yeah anything it's like anything that she publishes is an instant on my to read shelf um, so I have one book left. It is Fledgling by Octavia Butler. Can't talk about sci-fi without talking about Octavia Butler. Um, this does sort of like straddle that kind of sci-fi fantasy, but I'll get to that. Um, so this is about Shori. She wakes up in a cave and she has no idea who she is or how she got there. She has like zero memory. Um, she's badly injured. She can't see. She's burned. And she's in this cave, a creature stumbles in and just, she immediately eats it. Something like her instinct kinks in and she's like, "Ah, I'm going to eat this. And after consuming it, she starts to heal herself. Um, Her memory's still gone, but she's able to get out of the cave. And when she's out of the cave, she is picked up by a man in a car. Um, And, you know, she's not looking great and he wants to take her to the hospital. And she's like, no, I'm not going to go. And um, he continues to try to push her to go. And it's at that point that she bites him and like drinks his blood. So she's a kind of vampire, except she's not the kind of vampire that 
kills humans. She um, is of a kind that creates these sort of symbiotic relationships with humans. And it's for essentially like biological chemical reasons, sort of where that sci-fi part comes in. Um, And as she is trying to regain her memory and find out what happened to her and who she is, because she still doesn't really know. Um, she is with this this human who provides sustenance to her <laughs> through um, through his his blood and as this sort of symbiotic relationship. And so um, Octavia Butler, of course, is like a huge name, um, and I appreciate a sort of different take on vampires as a genre or a subgenre or as just a creature in general. And um it it's it's good. I I I love this book. So what did the humans did the humans get something in return? Um the- they don't die. <laughs> I don't want to say too I much. Like not like- <laughs> I want that. Like, I don't want too much you know uh <laughs> totally that's always the problem with this genre of of like not wanting to say too much because you don't want to ruin the book for anybody Absolutely. so yeah yeah totally yeah and i feel like that's always one of the questions <laughs> with vampires is like what does it mean when you get bit yeah what are the details what are the rules how does it work exactly. what happens yeah exactly totally and uncovering that is yeah yeah oh that sounds fun i like that 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 sounds that sounds really interesting all right that's going on my list for sure i guess i'll go clara and the sun that, that's just a, it's a i would call it a beautiful book it's uh kazuo ishiguro is the i am sure i did not pronounce the name well i don't think i've ever heard it said out loud so i'm just going on what it looks like and but yeah as we said earlier it doesn't often work <laughs> it's not often right uh, but anyway I... it is this beautiful book it is set in a, a future world where things are really rough around the edges in this world you know it, you hear about these little events and stuff and the way that society works you can just tell that things are good for some people and very bad for many people but the main character is clara and Clara is an AF, not to be confused with an AI. An AF okay. is an artificial friend. Oh. And so they are AIs, but they are created, designed to be friends with adolescents, like, I guess, you know, nine, 10 years old, something like that, kids. And you go and you buy an artificial friend who is this fully conscious being. And they live with the kid and they hang out until the kid is of a certain age and then they don't need the AF anymore. So it's a bizarre relationship. It sounds super weird. Um, and the AFs are totally aware of what's happening. Uh, so Clara lives in the store with other AFs. Her entire understanding of the world is based on what she can see through the window of the store and that's where her initial understanding of humanity comes from and she learns about you know lying and fighting and love and friendship all through these interactions that she sees she's super perceptive um not all afs are she eventually 
finds a home with this girl, Josie, who seems to have some kind of, um, she talks about having these episodes and these things that, you know, suggest everything isn't well with her. The family dynamics are bizarre and Clara gets put in a weird situation. She starts uncovering some really strange happenings in the recent history of this uh, community, I get this family that she's entered into. And through it all though, she maintains this great sense of like being there for other people, being perceptive. um, And I don't know, everything about it, it feels, it has this weird wholeness, even though it really deals with some strange sort of messed up and and things that just feel wrong. through the attitude and approach it, it some of these things you start to say okay I, I see how this thing that feels super wrong and super bad could actually be okay and could make sense um yeah it deals with you know love loss friendship family sort of all of those like big capital letter themes and topics um it's the only book of his that i've read actually um I understand that he's quite a good author. I guess he won a Nobel, you know, prize, so he's got he some credentials. <laughs> he did, yes. Um, I read Never Let Me Go by him, which came out a few years ago. Um, I think that's the only one of his books that I I read. Um, yeah, what's interesting ab- about his writing is that he, I mean, he also wrote Remains of the Day, which is just like a very, like, British book I don't know how else to describe mm. it I mean it's about like um I don't want to be like the help but it's uh like you know like think like the employees you know the staff at like Downton Abbey type of thing and then he writes you know these like more sci-fi books and they're all so beautifully written so I feel like he writes a lot of books um that does deal with those like big picture themes and they just are set in different um situations or time periods Mm -hmm. or types of books I guess um so yes I think he did win the Nobel Prize just recently like within the oh 2017 okay not that recent but recent enough Uh, (laughs) (laughs) recent enough but that one sounds really good um so I may have to I'll have that's my my TBR um were there any other books you wanted to talk about um I put all of the books from the Wayfarer series on my list of things to talk about uh I I don't think that I'll go through all of them but I do just want to give another plug I guess for that universe as a whole and one of the things that stands out to me from it that it does really well in addition to providing this kind of optimistic and hopeful view of how we can all get along in a world and coexist and do it quite well in you know, counterpoint to the three body problem and this idea that as soon as we make contact with aliens, we're all dead and it's going to be terrible and it's going to be this dark, horrible war. It doesn't work out like that in the Wayfarers. Humans make contact with aliens and um, yeah, things aren't great all the time, but people make it work. People get along. And it does. So in addition to all of that, uh, uh, one thing that it really does well is it has this sort of um casual inclusivity i guess where there are all kinds of sexual orientations all kinds of identities and they're just 
there. Like it's just the way that it is in this world. There people don't bat an eye at it. It isn't something that is really big time noteworthy. Um, and that's something that's just really kind of refreshing. And I know it's not the only thing that does this, but I think it does it really well. And it's just, it's fun to be in a world like that where mm-hmm. people are who they are and people aren't, except for AIs, except for AIs, right? They can't have bodies. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> other than that, though, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a really fun world to inhabit. You know, you spend time in there. And I, I read one review where it said the worst thing about it is that there isn't enough. And that's totally true. Each book that you read, I, I read it and I was like, this is so good. What happens to Ashby and his crew next in the next book? I really want to know what the next book isn't about Ashby. It's somebody else. No. And you read that book. You're like, oh, this is awesome. I wonder what happens to Pepper and Lovelace next. Wait, the next book isn't about Pepper and Lovelace. No. <laughs> <laughs> so every book just has, has done that to me. Um, so I can't recommend it enough. It's so fun. Awesome. Well, thanks, Sam, for coming on and talking sci-fi books with me. We we gave listeners quite a lot. So hopefully they yeah, found cut. some good stuff. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. Feel free to cut all my, <laughs> cut me down. I feel like I talked a lot, but no, it, it's so no. fun. I, it's such it a fun great. genre. And... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. Of course. Thank you, Jill. It was so much fun. This is, this is just any, any chance I have to get on and talk about books. I love it. So I appreciate it. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grunenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.